Welcome back, guys, to episode 54 of Wrestling Recommendations. I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with... Uh, the Dr. Pepper Zero Strawberries and Cream drinking Travis Lasseter tonight. Very, very good stuff here. Zero sugar. It's even better. Now you, you and Skip, the two zero sugar guys. We're trying, man. We're getting old. We, our body doesn't process sugar like it used to. Dude. So last week, I remember telling you, I was like, man, I'm not like, my throat's kind of scratchy. I'm losing my voice. I went through like the worst week of sinus infection ever. There was one day I got like two hours of sleep. One day I woke, like I I woke up constantly and I finally fell asleep at like seven in the morning. Um, And they were doing like a Halloween marathon on Fear Fest. So Resurrection came on and I went to sleep. And when I woke back up, it was like two in the afternoon. and It was like Halloween 2 was playing. So I had how, missed like a bunch of movies. How did you sleep through Resurrection, man? Resurrection is the Fuck best, you, fucking, Travis. best fucking Fuck Halloween you. ever. So you might hear me, guys, throughout the podcast. I may have a little bit of a cough still. Uh, it's been rough. Uh, uh, I know I went to Gatlinburg with the wife and the kids, and I was like exhausted. And then we did Toy Show, Travis. Want to talk about Toy Show real quick? Yeah, um, we did the uh, Smoky Mountain Collectors uh, Con there. Yeah, collector showcase. Uh, we had a good time. Uh, made more memories than money, but we really made some money right there at the end. Me and Skip did, and uh, always fun to hang out with Eric and and Skip. And then you and uh, Finn showed up, so we hung out most of the day on Saturday. Um, had a couple of bites on some bigger items, but the people never came back. So if you're listening right now, go fuck yourself. It's in my garage. It just went up two hundred percent. So um, you had a chance. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was a good time. Uh, if you were selling sports cards, you made bank that week uh, last weekend. Uh, not so much on the uh, collectible side, but uh, always fun to hang out with those guys. And we'll see what the future brings with that. Uh, me and Eric and Skip talked about possibly doing a flea market month or something, try to get rid of some inventory. But we did have a lot of people ask us if we had a store in town, and we had to tell them no. But uh, always fun to hang out with those guys. Made some money, so can't complain too much. It's no ways as bad as that one we did where we made like 30 bucks. So no, that one was bad. That one was not great at all. Um, yeah, it, it was a fun surprise. My um, brother-in-law and my sister-in-law were there. They were set up. Uh, so Finn was excited to see them. Finn saw a kitty new from school. Um, so I was like, dang, like we're having a good old yeah. time. We bumped into our good buddy, Chris McPherson. Just going to say this right now. Fuck that kid. Um, hope, you're, hope your parents are listening. Yeah, he was all over the place. I had to keep telling like, dude, calm down. Knocking, um, knocking our shit in. Knocking it in got to shit. the point. Finn was like, "Dad, I don't want to hang around anymore. Can we go?" And he's, I'm like, "Yeah, we can leave, buddy." Um, but yeah, we had a fun little time, and uh, it was a busy week. Of course, guys. Last week we covered uh, Travis. What did we cover last week? Benoit and Shawn Michaels Raw. That's right. Benoit and Shawn Michaels, great match. I enjoyed it. Uh, downloads pretty good on that one. Um, I'm going to break down here soon. Um, how many? who how many episodes we've featured how like a certain wrestlers uh and kind of break that down i was going to do that the other day but i've been sick 
Um, but this week, the Will chose a UWF match, the first UWF match, maybe one of the only UWF matches on our list, uh, from February 6, 1987, as Terry Bam Bam Gordy takes on Dr. Death Steve Williams in a Texas death match. I'm going to go ahead and say it real quick, too, Travis. This is probably the best Texas death match I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And it, it, the roles are a lot more coherent than they were in the Vader, uh, Cactus Jack one we watched previously on the podcast. Um, and the ref and the ring announcer seem to know what's going on. So that makes it even better. I mean, because Tony and Jesse didn't know what the hell was going on in the one they did. So, um, this, this one is definitely heads and shoulders above as far as the rules and everything go. Um, better Texas death match. Yeah. But I'm gonna go, ahead too. go ahead and put over the ref too. I enjoyed the ref in this match as well. Yes. He was really good. Yes, he is very good. Um, it's, it's, this is what a Texas death match should be. Not, not what AEW does now and not even what Sting and Vader did. That was should, that was more of a last man standing match. So, um, this, this one is probably the, the blueprint of what one should be. Absolutely. So, We've already talked about Dr. Death and Bam Bam Gordy on our episode where we covered the Miracle Violence Connection uh, versus the Steiner Brothers. Still our most downloaded episode ever on the podcast. Uh, shout out to JR, Jim Ross for uh, retweeting our stuff and getting us over on that episode. Um, so what I wanted to do, Travis, I wanted to talk about the UWF, which was, of course, Mid-South before then. And kind of talk, break it down a little bit, talk about Bill Watts, and then kind of lead right on into this show. So let's talk about the UWF. A former territory wrestler who was blinded in a 1950 auto accident, Leroy McGurk, took over promoting a wrestling territory covering Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Mississippi, known as NWA Tri-States. Cowboy Bill Watts had been one of the Tri-States' most popular wrestlers. So in 1979, Bill Watts bought Tri-State Wrestling from Leroy McGurk and rebranded it as Mid-South Wrestling. One of Watts' first act as owners was to withdraw from the company from the NWA. However, Mid-South Wrestling would remain loosely aligned with the NWA, continuing to have the NWA World Heavyweight Championship defended on their shows. Mid-South Wrestling then added Arkansas to its territory. In 1982, Mid-South Wrestling expanded to Oklahoma when McGurk closed his personal Oklahoma-based promotion. McGurk also formed an alliance with Houston promoter Paul Bosch to feature Mid-South wrestling talent on their shows at the Sam Houston Arena and other parts of southeastern Texas. Sam Houston Arena, you always hear about. Oh, yeah, Sam Houston uh, Coliseum. It's big uh, for um, for that area. Also, it's talked about a lot by JR and, and Bruce Pritchard on their podcast. But did you know who Leroy McGurk's uh, daughter is? Who's that? Mike McGurk, the uh, ring announcer for WWF from like 84, 86 to 94, something like that, I believe. The the lady one. She, really? That was, that's his daughter. So, that makes sense because she had to have some ties into wrestling to be a part. It's kind of the kind of be ring announcer. Wasn't there some controversy about her being um, there as well? There's some allegations that came out. Yeah, I believe so. But uh, less said about that, that, that the better. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You are right. Instead of the cartoonish characters and interviews common to the Hulkamania-era WWF, Mid-South Wrestling's content focused on energetic matches performed before raucous and packed crowds, characters whose personas blurred the line between good and evil, an intensely physical athletic wrestling style, and an episodic 
TV show format. The promotion ran shows in a mix of small venues and gigantic arenas. In 1980, a card pitting a blinded, quote-unquote blinded, junkyard dog against Freebird Michael P.S. Hayes in the main event drew nearly 30,000 fans for a show presented by a promotion less than one year old. That is fucking wild. 30,000 people, man. Hey, how many people you put in Superdome? Hey. Dude, dude, dude. <laughs> that's, that's fucking incredible. Uh, it's, it's, it's wild. In 1984, Watts came out of retirement with a masked junkyard dog, Stagger Lee, to face the Midnight Express. This show drew 22,000 fans. Holy shit. Dude, and, and in that area, too, uh, where it's not well-known for, uh, like, you know, being a being a more uh, a poor poor area, um, that that's a lot of damn people to put in there to see a match. That's a lot of people. But you know, that just helps to the drawing power of one Bill Watts, and also the drawing power of JYD and the hill work of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. So, uh, kudos to them, man. Like a lot of people stole stuff from Mid South UWF around this time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it goes back to why they they reached out to Bill Watts for WCW later on, which we'll kind of talk about that later on in the aftermath. In the mid-1980s, Mid-South Wrestling began to expand nationally. In 1985, Ted Turner invited Watts to air Mid-South Wrestling's weekly TV show on Turner's TBS network. Turner wanted an alternative to the WWF show airing in the two-hour Saturday evening time slot, which the WWF had acquired when it bought out the majority of ownership of Georgia Championship Wrestling, famously known as Black Saturday. Black Saturday. Turner was angered by the WWF show because Vince McMahon had promised it would feature matches and promos taped in TBS's Atlanta studios. But instead of fresh content, the WWF's TBS show only presented clips and highlights from other WWF TV shows, some depending on TV market, airing at the same time the TBS show did. Eventually, the WWF would shoot local in-studio matches, but only infrequently, and they were usually predictable squash matches. Mid-South Wrestling quickly became TBS's highest-rated TV show, so Watts positioned Mid-South Wrestling to take over once Turner could force the WWF off his network. Watts' luck ran out, however, when former Georgia Championship Wrestling co-owner Jim Barnett helped broker a deal enabling North Carolina-based Jim Crockett Promotions to buy the Saturday time slot from Vince McMahon and become TBS's sole pro wrestling show. This is, how, this is how WrestleMania 1 was funded. Fuck yeah. Vince it's McMahon, kind of a little bit of a liar, but also uh, knows how to move that money around, make things work for him. Say what you will about the human being, Vince McMahon. Businessman... Dude, dude clearly knew what the fuck he was doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it's not cool. I mean, it's shitty what he did to the territories, but if Vince wouldn't have done it, somebody else would have. Well, and you got to think about it, too. Like, something had to change for the territories anyway. I mean, you could only, you could only survive on that model for so long uh, with the expansion of cable television. Something else would have filled that void or someone else would have came along and took that spot. Uh, if it wasn't for it wasn't Vince McMahon, if it wasn't Vince McMahon, it'd have been Jim Crockett or yeah, or I, Jim and Vern together. But. I I fully believe that if the WWF would have would have not 
went national, Jim Crockett would have. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, he had TBS. He he had he had the scope to see what wrestling could be too. Uh, Vince McMahon just kind of beat him to it. And then when he, later on, we'll talk about it. But Jim Crockett tries it later. It's a little you know too little too late at that point because it just looks like he's a copycat of something. Yeah, I agree. Watts made one more attempt at going national the following year. As part of that plan, Watts replaced Mid-South Wrestling's brand name with a more corporate name, the Universal Wrestling Federation, UWF. Because Watts is bigger than the world, baby. You're right. The universe. In March 1986, Mid-South Wrestling, quote-unquote, went national, relaunching as the Universal Wrestling Federation and securing a syndication deal airing their two one-hour weekly programs in major markets across the United States. In May of 1986, Terry Gordy would win a tournament to become the first UWF heavyweight champion, defeating Jim Duggan in the finals of the tournament. He would hold the title for six months. New wrestlers, mostly from world champion world-class championship wrestling, joined the company as did former WCCW co-promoter Ken Mantell. Despite the UWF's strong early ratings and critical praise, it could not compete nationally with Jim Crockett Promotions and the WWF, as both had stronger TV distribution and larger live event, pay-per-view, and merchandise licensing revenue streams. The UWF was further hurt when the oil-based company of its richest local market, Oklahoma, fell into a severe recession in the fall of 1986. This left the blue-collar core of the UWF's fan base with far less disposable income to spend on things like attending wrestling shows. This is what you were talking about, Travis. A lot of the areas that they ran in where they were drawn, you know, 22,000, 30,000, these are areas that were not – what's the, the word? Rural, I'm, the, they're more rural, uh, you know, blue-collar uh, areas. Um, there's another term for it, but – it, it's it's basically like you're dependent on another business for your income, and if that business shits the bed, then you're kind of screwed too. So, and and Oklahoma and Texas areas at that time were very much oil based. They still still probably are with their their business model and stuff out there. With you know just that's what they're known for. Like North Carolina was known for tobacco, so if the tobacco industry was down. My family didn't have a lot of money to throw around as a kid, so um, it it's just. It's just that rural uh, country lifestyle kind of thing that you depend on your business to make you money. And if you don't, then some things get cut out and going to wrestling shows gets cut out. And I was thinking more just like lower income area. I guess that's the, the way the, I was trying to describe it. Um, but yeah, you're, you are correct. Um, which around this time, it leads us right into this show that we're covering and this match that we're covering. Uh, the show that we're watching tonight, or this match from the show, took place on February 6, 1987 at the Sam Houston Coliseum in front of 4,000 fans. Uh, here's the card that you got here. So Sam Houston defeated Art Cruz. Rick Steiner defeated Mike Boyette. Sting defeated Jeff Gaylord. I know that name. That name sounds so familiar. I don't know if he's a jobber later on. Um, that name be. sounds very familiar to me. The Fabulous Freebirds with Buddy Roberts and Michael Hayes and the Angel of Death defeated Chavo Guerrero, Terry Taylor, and the Missing Link. Fuck Terry Taylor, dude. Fuck him. Terry Taylor was kind of a cornerstone of this UWF. Uh, 
Bill Watts had a hard on for Terry Taylor. That he did because he pushes him and he pushes him later in uh, WCW and stuff. Too. Made man, baby. Also, also, Jeff Gaylord was the Black Knight at the 1993 Survivor Series. That's that's fuck, what I knew, I, I knew that name. I knew that, that. That's what I was looking up. Like he was, he was pretty much in world class and stuff, and then he became part of the United States Wrestling Association too. So that's where they got him to be part of the Survivor Series team. Is the Black Knight? Boom! I fucking knew I knew that name, man. Um, we would get the Texas death match, which was Dr. Death, Steve Williams versus Terry Gordy. And it wasn't even the main event, Travis. Do you know what the main event was? Probably Bill Watts doing something. No, the UWF title, uh, was in a no disqualification match champion. The one man gang defeated Ted DiBiase. Hmm. That makes sense though. Cause this is kind of around the dying days, right before all these people go to the WWF. Yeah, because um, he, one man gang is a uh, champion. Um, Ray Trailer actually is the UWF champion, and I believe Doctor Death's the one that defeats Ray Trailer for the title. Because he takes it to uh, NWA or Jim Crockett, and then he they does. have we'll talk the, about uh, that. Have the unification stuff later on. Fuck Terry Taylor. Fuck, is he still on Terry Taylor? Oh man, one man gang man. He pops up in WCW '95. Good for him. <laughs> Better than Akeem. You can't see us, so we're throwing Fuck our, you, man. I, dude, I love this song. Throwing our freaking wrists out, whatever he was As doing. As a kid, man, I used to dance around like slick, and I used to sing, Josh so bro. I just so bro. My mom would just look at me, and I, that's probably why she didn't talk to me as much now, and that's cool. Because you're a fucking loser. Yeah, <laughs> Same thing right. over here. I was I was the keem because I was the fat kid, so I was over there. Oh, oh. <laughs> Be bopping around. Oh. So, guys, before we roll into this match, we're going to take a quick commercial break and roll right into it. Next Generation Wrestling is an independent wrestling organization that runs professional wrestling shows in East Tennessee. We have been running shows since 2014 and have featured talented independent wrestlers from all over the world, with our shows being featured primarily on High Spots TV. Follow us on all social media platforms at NextGenTN to find out about upcoming shows. Hello, Wrestling Recommendations listeners. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purists podcast, alongside my tag team partner and best friend, Jeff. We are the Wrestling Purists, two guys who share a love for the sport of professional wrestling and have been podcasting since 2020. Our flagship series, The Retro Review, is where we take a show from the past, bring it to the present, and cover it through the lens of a wrestling purist. We also have Pure Talk, an interview series where we welcome talent to the pod to talk all things professional wrestling. We can't talk about our pod and not mention The Shoot, a series where we get together with our good friends, Eddie and Travis, from right here at Wrestling Recommendations and shoot on whatever needs to be shot on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and all social media outlets at WPPod1. All direct links and more are available at our website, linktree.com slash WPPod1. Come give us a listen as we give a pure take on professional wrestling. And we are back, guys. So, Travis, if people want to find this match, they can go on YouTube. All you have to do is look up Dr. Death Steve Williams. Versus Terry Gordy, Texas Deathmatch, 
and you will find it. Yep, it's very easy to find. It's like the top one that pops up. I mean, there are some other Gordy uh, uh, Williams matches on there, but this is this is the one. You're looking for yellow tights, Steve Williams. Red this boots. Is like, he, he's the opposite of Hogan. This is like, yeah, like Hogan-esque style. Like, that's that's what I noticed, too. Um, we'll talk about it here in a second, too, uh, about somebody's entrance music, but we'll talk about it here in a second. Travis, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. All righty, guys. We're going to say three, two, one, and play. Here we go. Well, let's go right at it, dude. They don't even they don't even wait. Dude, they're, I love they're, it. I love they're it. They're still doing the ring announcement for Steve Williams as they're starting to kick each other's ass. It's it's great. <laughs> gotta, they are gotta, they're like, oh from Oklahoma. You gotta Steve give it up. Williams. You gotta <laughs> give it up to the ring. Steve, Dr. Death Williams. For getting it in. You gotta get his shit in, man. Dude, the, the way that they have they have a great work and punch together too. Like, I I mean, I gotta be honest with you. You know, I'm not a, I wasn't a big Dr. Death fan as a kid. The only way I really knew Steve Williams was through the brawl for all as a kid. So going back and watching, you know, stuff with the miracle violence connection and, and these guys, I'm more familiar with Gordy just because uh, my family growing up were big Freebird fans. So I always knew who Terry Gordy was. But um, appreciating Dr. Death now, especially here in the UWF, because he's kind of like the superstar of the UWF. Oh, yeah. Th- this is this is their main guy, man. He's from Oklahoma. He's the draw to bring people in. Like, he's a Oklahoma Sooners legend. And then you got Jim Ross, who's a good friend, their own commentary, constantly giving his praises, which I know we're going to talk about, but there's no commentary on this match. There's which is no, one yeah. of the weirdest things. Ever. That was what I told Tra- told Travis uh, in our group chat when we, you know, I first watched this match, and I was like, "There's no commentary," and it's so weird to me that there's no commentary, and not that you know, I mean, I get it; it's from you know 1987. Um, it's just you know a taping that they have here with the with the two of them, but it's just so weird hearing a match and not hearing any commentary at all with it. No, and I think we've watched. Was it the Fantastics match we watched versus the Sheep Herders from the, the cup? Same way, yeah. The yeah the uh, the actual long version doesn't have any commentary, but the condensed down version from the Crockett Cup '86 tape has commentary, but it's just basic commentary. Oh, here yeah, it comes. I like this. Uh, we didn't talk about it. I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it, but Doctor Death came out to Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, and it was just so weird. Which you got to think that's kind of a like a oh. poke at Hogan for real American. Oh, I mean, yeah. Because Gordy, I mean, Williams is wearing yellow trunks and red knee pads. So, yeah, he's bizarro world Hogan at this point. Yeah, I feel like um, both these guys don't get the, the credit they deserve. Just be big guys and go in there and just whoop the shit out of people. And they made it look believable, man. Well, and they, they're just two hosses, man. And they're both known as ass kickers that you know, they're going to go in there, kick punch. And, uh, Williams is going to go for the stampede and they, they both utilize pile drivers too. So, and the damn punches are just great in this match. And I think Terry Gordy's hair adds a lot to it. No, he, yeah, he's selling it like crazy. Like, and just throwing it back. So these are not your prototypical WWE wrestlers. 
but they would they do fit nicely in the NWA. I mean, but like I, I wouldn't see Vince really pushing either one of these guys in the eighties, to be honest with you, just just because. And Steve Williams like he, promos weren't the best ever. I feel I feel like Steve Williams would have had a, a, a better shot than Gordy. Um, however, Gordy as a as a fucking heel, you know, trying to foil like a Randy Sav a babyface savage, a babyface Hogan. Yeah, to me, there would have been money in it. But however, he's a Southern guy, and Vince was not a Southern dude. He hated Southern guys. Oh yeah, uh, the the his accent would have been his Michael. death nail, <laughs> and that's why I never spoke as the executioner because they didn't want anybody to know one it was Terry Gordy, but also that damn Southern accent he just hated. This, this is we're gonna put over that that referee really quick too. I mean, he he's fucking great. He's in the fucking action, man. He's like his shoulders up. Shoulders well, sticking up, and you got to give it to Steve Williams for knowing where his shoulders are in that too. It's the for these guys to be big uh, brawling horses, they still have some good wrestling ability and technical ability there because he's trying to cradle him on that pin. I mean, it looks really good. It looks it doesn't look like something they would do, but definitely, definitely looked good. You know, this is only the second time where we've got we've gotten to cover a guy, a, a tag team that has been on the podcast wrestling each other. Because the only other time we've had that was uh, Gargano and Ciampa with DIY. Yep, Cruiserweight Classic, baby. Great, great match too. Go back and check that episode out in our archives. I love the fact that it's uh, it still feels like a competition. Like they're trying to best the one another. Um, like who's gonna you know come out with a better. Um, you know, collar, elbow, tie up here, and who's going to come out on top with it? I, I fucking like that a lot. It's just like two two bulls, like seeing who's going to get the upper ground. Because look at it, like they're both like standing there, collar and elbow, pushing against each other. Like it's not your typical big man match that we're accustomed to with the WWF way of doing things. It's very much a struggle. I know we say that a lot on this podcast, but. It very much looks like a struggle with these two guys, evenly matched. Dude, I cannot remember who who is uh, Gordy's manager. Is it is, is it Precious or is it Sunshine? I can't. I, I can't remember which one it is. Can't quite remember either because she's. They say it in the introductions, but it's very quick. Um, but it doesn't look like the Sunshine I, I'm used to seeing. No, but I'm not knows? really sure either. Um, I still feel like, you know, we're, we talk about the Freebirds. I still love Jimmy Jam Garvin and Michael Hayes. That's kind of when I was younger, what I grew up on. Um, but I can see why people would love Gordy with Michael Hayes. I, I, I think those two guys definitely could feed off one, one another very well. Oh yeah. And the Freebirds are a staple everywhere they go, but it's obvious that Terry Gordy is the star and you gotta you gotta under, probably realize that he picked up some of his gift of gab from Michael Hayes because what Michael Hayes lacked in wrestling ability he picked he he really had with his his uh you know promos and stuff that's why he packed out the Superdome with fucking Junkyard Dog it wasn't his wrestling ability it was what they were doing to Junkyard Dog and being able to talk them in the into the uh, building yeah. I love it, man. Look at these headbutts. They're, they're fantastic as well. Uh, I know the first time that we had uh, Terry Gordy on, you know, on the podcast, uh, one of his, one of their matches, the Miracle Violence Connection with uh, Steiners. Uh, we talked about our good buddy, buddy Tyler. Uh, 
if you've not listened to that episode, a good buddy of ours, he looks like he could be Terry Gordy's son or grandson. It is, it is crazy. Um, we still need to post a picture of that. And he's hitting them with the three point stances here, Travis. Sorry, it was sunshine. I was listening back to the commentary at the beginning of the match. <laughs> but yeah, he looks like uh, Terry Gordy's long lost uh, love child. <laughs> it's, hit, it's uncanny, yeah. dude. So he didn't Dr. even know who Terry Gordy was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is funny. Um, he hit him with a kind of a stampede right there. Um, got the three count. So here's how here's how the Texas Death Match works, and they are very consistent with this. They they get the pin. There is a brief rest period. They don't say exactly how long. Um, I'm assuming it's supposed to be like 30 seconds. But the ref counts down from 10 to let them know. And then the ref will start counting down. You know, they have a 10 count to answer. So the ref's already counting right there. And it's consistent. Gordy's uh, Gordy's on the ground, but Dr. Death's staying in shape right now. He's keeping his blood flowing. Doing some, some little jogs in the corner there. Gordy's yeah, he's up. Get, oh, he's going for it. Met with a kick. Look yeah, at that fan the down there. Yeah, fuck yeah, in. dude. I love that shit. He's into it, son. They come over there and told him, calm down. <laughs> man, man, calm, calm the fuck down. <laughs> uh, he's going to go for a big scoop slam here. Oh. We'll comment, though. Look at how this arena is lit. This is this is great. The spotlight's on the ring. Not focused on the crowd. It's like a dimly lit arena. It's just, it feels like wrestling feels oh, like yeah. i mean it's not that lit up you know wwf style at the time but also it they gotta hide like those empty seats beautiful crossbody um yeah there's four thousand people there which is still nothing to you know not anything to, to talk down on uh, but when no. you went from you know thirty thousand and twenty two thousand four thousand is kind of a a big drop off but you know it's 87 this is um, February of 87. So we're about to get Hogan Andre at WrestleMania in, in like a month's time. Yeah. And that's crazy to think what's going on across on the other side. Cause I mean, watching this, you wouldn't think of Ho about Hogan and Andre, but man, the time frame is there's a lot going on in the world of wrestling at the, at this point. And Flair, of course, he's in his run as as, w, as NWA champion as well. So Horseman. there's a lot of big things going on right now. And the Horsemen, yeah, they're starting to run wild. Um, I feel like we've had quite a few matches around this time frame. Yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's a very popular time frame. It's also one of those time frames that we have more eyes on wrestling than probably ever because of Hogan and Andre and the explosion of the WWF. I mean, you give WWF shit, but they brought more eyes to wrestling. And if you're flipping through the channels as somebody, you might be like, oh, is this oh. WWF? And then you start watching it, and you're like, fuck. Oh, great fucking pile driver. Great pile Sell driver. everything. They even hook a leg to, I fucking love this ref, man. I, I, I just, I want to put this referee over. That's like the main thing I noticed in this match. These guys have great chemistry, but that referee is fucking great. He, he is on point. He's in between them right now he's doing what a ref should do and you got to think yeah. bill watts at this time would not have allowed anything less than that because he's very much a stickler for rules and people doing what the fuck they're supposed to do so i have i have a question to, to ask you travis as you know we're waiting for the rest period here and he's going to start counting on doctor that see that like the ref's on at one two he's on it if the wwf would have failed and Jim Crockett would have been the one to kind of 
go national and and become the try try to become this thing. Do you think eventually he would have failed? And what where where would wrestling have ended up? I think you would have had a lot of more. I don't know if you would ever had like a mainstream wrestling like we do now. Um, one of the the appeals of the WWF was their crossover with mainstream like stars and things like that. And and Jim Crockett and other places really didn't do that. I mean, they tried, but I mean, when you're getting leave it for leave it to Beaver for your fucking uh, <laughs> judges for a match, like we That's saw true. with you know, I mean, they, they're not they're not getting the cream of the crop, man. It's just. I think if oh, if w, the yeah. WWF had failed, we wouldn't be talking about wrestling like we do now. I agree, I agree, and I don't see Crockett having the the lasting power. Uh, Gordy uh, or Doctor Death is already bleeding. Uh, I did see him blade. He did, he did it right there in the ring. They did they pulled off a little bit, and another beautiful pile driver, beautiful sell job too of the pile driver. Oh yeah, he he acts like it's you know just killed him. Which is what a pile driver should do. I mean, that it was a big time maneuver at this time. Like it wasn't they didn't need tombstones, they didn't need pile drivers on chairs. And I'll give it to them in this Texas death match. They don't get crazy with it. They just beat the shit out of each other. There's no weapons, there's no any of that kind of stuff. Like it's it's just them pounding the hell out of each other. And it's it's good because you got Sunshine down there still trying to give him advice while Steve Williams is down. She's watching him, telling him what he's doing. So she's very much a manager, too, sticking in with that, showing, you know, what she can do outside the ring. Yeah, and he's looking at the sympathy he's getting in the, the blade job. I mean, blood's coming down. Um, there is a spot coming. Oh, God. Lariat, close off from hell. Close off from hell. JBL would be proud of that. Yep, going for another Lariat cover here. right there. And Terry pulls him up, says, "No, no, I do. Not done with I him do yet. like that. Both guys do that in this match. It's like, you know what? I'm not done pounding on this guy yet. So, you know, that's something I've noticed. Like you, you mentioned too, the fact that these guys, um, they're not using any weapons, anything like that. It's all just, just straight up, a fucking meaty men slapping meat. They just beating the shit out of each other." No frills either, black and white tights and boots. I mean, got a little bit of yellow on Steve Williams. But you look at Bam Bam, man, he's like, fuck it. I'm just out here in some some tape and some black black trunks. And people still took him serious and loved him for it. Which is a predecessor a to too. what Steve Austin becomes later, I guess. Yeah, a lot of that too is, you know, these guys, they he Kinda. didn't need a flashy costume because that wasn't who he was. Well, you got to think they're they're trying to appeal to the working man in this area. The working man is gonna would be a black tights kind of guy, white boots type of guy. Like he doesn't need those frills. You no know, ultimate warrior face paint running around. Which is he right here, right where, there. Yep, he right where bladed, yep. I did hate these railings though. Remind me of like the railings we had in school for shit when they set up in the cafeteria or something for uh award show or something to keep you in line up oh, here he comes getting revved up he's getting his baby face yep he's getting his baby face pop right here he's getting his heat he's getting his uh his shine back blame me daddy boom look at this and this is the set sure, he hit a, it's a damn gusher too man he's pouring blood down his chest 
That's what I told you when I was watching. I sent you a screenshot. I was like, oh, fuck, he's bleeding. I fucking love just, it. Just just Hoss battling it up. And, and, and the simplicity of it, too, man. No weapons, no anything. Like, get back to that. Just two guys kicking the shit out of each other. Because even at Cactus Jack and Vader, they use weapons in the concrete floor. And the most they use is the that guardrail in this match. The rest of it is... Like the ref there trying to check the cut to make sure Gordy was, you know, coherent. This is a good visual. Look at at his face. He's like, he's grimacing in pain. He's got him with a really bad headbutt. It's, it's, I love it a lot. I really do think Jim Ross's commentary on this would have added to what we're watching right now. Um, just because I could hear him right now just like getting excited at what's going on. In this, Ooh. you know, closing stretch of the match, you know, I, I feel like he could have added a lot to this. And I, I like you said, the ref keeps checking on Gordy's cut here as well. Travis, uh, I wanted to talk about cagematch.net users for this. Um, there's only two reviews for this match um, in total. That tells you not, it, this match is not talked about enough if people haven't uh, searched it out to make a review on it and stuff. Yeah, he's gonna go for another foul driver. Look at he's him. gonna back body drop him. Just 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 a simple spot working through the pile driver. Now he's calling for a pile driver. Uh, Dr. Death is. Um, what do you think they rated this match out of ten? I'm gonna go with that low of rating. I'm gonna go Fuck. I'm gonna say people people that rated this knew what this match was. I'm gonna go eight point five at least. Not bad. Eight out of ten. Hmm. I, could, One, I could see that. Two. He picks him up after the power oh. driver. Crowd goes nuts. Look, there's a woman back there. And yay! Look at him! Yay! It's the damn, it's damn payback right here for him picking him up earlier. He just hauls off and knocks the shit out of him, too. Oh, my in the God. Face. Two punches. One, two. Picks him up again. Look at his oh. face, dude. Oh, my God. There's so much blood. It's yeah, amazing. He, it's Eddie Guerrero blood right there. It's it's pretty oh pretty bad. God. Oh, yeah. punched him right in the face. I just really believe that not enough people have looked this match up because if you we've we've done a lot of cage match reviews, man, oh. and there's never been that many that low. That okay, so they have do wa- a, have watched a match. Yeah, they do a double down here, and they both lean on top of one another, and the ref counts both their shoulders down. So nope. we're going to get a thirty second intermission. And then they're going to start the count. But while they're counting, Travis, um, Benny Five Bellies. I know we've we've heard that name before. He rated it eight out of ten. After the first few minutes of this, I wasn't really feeling it and not expecting much for the rest of the match, as I do not like Texas Deathmatch rules. Then they decided to just beat the crap out of each other and bleed. Gordy, in particular, bled like a stuffed pig. Pile drivers and big beefy fellas running into each other will always pop me. I thought the finish uh, finishing stretch was a lot of fun too. This was sneaky good. Hundred percent agree with you. Hundred yep. percent. And it doesn't sound like there's enough reviews to even have a Lene's Mountie Mart this week. There's I, not. There's not one this week. I will. I will say, like he said, the first five minutes, you know, were he wasn't expecting much, but I'd, I'll disagree with him there. It's kind of setting the tone. It's two big guys trying to to gain that leverage on each other, you know, that advantage over each other. So it, it's like two two Mack trucks competing against each other to see who's going to gain that first bit of ground. So it's a nice filling out it. period. So 
I don't yes. I don't agree with that. But so both that, both both men can't answer the ten count, and with them not being able to look, they just gave him a, a thing of water right here. Sunshine is going to throw water right in Gordy's face to get him up, and the ref says the first the first man who can get to his feet will win the match. So yep. the ref's distracted. Gordy gets to his feet first, and Doctor Death fucking blasts the shit out of him. Crowd pops. It's nice Dr. The Death's ba- up. It's nice that the baby face gets that that spot and that win there. Most of the time, it'd be the heel that that sneaks one out. I love I love the ending. The ending the ending popped me really hard. Well, and it's also something you don't see all the time, which. Dr. Death doesn't stick around to get the fanfare. He's out of there, but the crowd popped like hell for that. And you got to think that Dr. Death's their man. That's who they wanted to see win anyway. So it it makes a lot of sense. And it was a nice, unique ending. Sunshine having a fit there. I I enjoyed it. So there was another guy as well. There was only two reviews. So Benny Five Bellies wrote that. Um, No one wrote eight out of ten. Before the formation of the legendary Miracle Violence Connection, Dr. Death and Terry Gordy were engaged in a very big feud in the UWF, which stemmed from the feud between Dr. Death and Ted DiBiase versus the Fabulous Freebirds. This particular Texas Death match turned out to be a memorable, bloody affair, which revolved around taking each other out with the pal driver at all costs. Yep. I I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I agree with what you were saying where Benny five belly says that in the first few minutes of this, um, he wasn't really feeling it, but they were, it's a filling out process. So I can almost say, you know, uh, I, you know, that's, that's why that is. And, but I think of the two reviews that of people who have actually watched this, I think they, they pretty much nailed it. They, they got what they were trying to do here. I enjoyed the shit out of this match. Oh yeah. Me too. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I remember when I watched it, I think I found it on a list when we were doing this, trying to find matches from different places. And I watched it, and the only place I could find it was YouTube. So it's very, very violent for one, but it's also just two, I know we keep saying it, two meaty hoss guys just beating the shit out of each other. And the trust is there, man. Like, you look at it, like, what one does to one, one does to the other. Like, you could tell these guys are in there ready to just go at it. Um, and you know, it tells me just from cage match that not enough people know about this match. I mean, and maybe that's also a good thing because then you don't have shitty people leaving reviews that don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, talking to you, carrot choker or whatever the hell your name is from a few episodes ago. But, um, and, and people were leaving zero out of 10 for Brett and Owen Hart in a cage match. Get the fuck out of here. But I mean, it's just not a well-known match. I mean, not a lot of people watch the UWF, there's not as much UWF stuff out there. I know the WWE did that DVD, uh, Legends of Mid-South, which was really good and had some matches on there. But if you really think about it, that's really all that's out there. Um, I know the network used to have a section for Mid-South, but it never really got updated that often. But um, I, that's something I wish they'd do more on Peacocks, put, put some of this older stuff out there so people can see it um, and and be able to appreciate it more. I feel like, too, this match is, like, the perfect length. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go too long. Uh, it leaves you still wanting more. You you can always go back to this feud with the way that the finish worked out. Um, Terry Gordy, Gordy has an out. Gordy technically won the match. Yep. So, um, but it was his own crew that kind of got got them screwed. 
So, uh, I, I mean, I definitely recommend watching this match. And uh, what would you get out of 10, Travis? I'm going to go higher than guys on cage match, man. I'm going to go nine. I think this is just really, really good. It To me, it's the template for what a Texas death match should be. It's got an inventive fish finish. The ref is really good. They both beat the hell out of each other. It's very convincing. It looks, you know, it looks like a real struggle with these two guys. It's, it, it's not choreographed. It's not acrobatics. It's just two big dudes beating the hell out of each other and, and the crowds into it. And I think the only thing missing is JR on commentary and who's to say there's not a version out there somewhere with JR on commentary, but, um, I thoroughly enjoy it. I don't see really anything wrong with the match. There's no botches. There's no none of that. They both bleed on or blade on camera, but at the time, people didn't know what the hell that was. They just thought they were checking their head or something. But I'm going to go 9 out of 10, man. I, I really enjoy the match and could sit down and watch it again right now and just just enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, I easily give it a 9, a 9 out of 10. Um, I, I feel like if there were some more – and I guess that's me being kind of jaded, but there were some more big spots, like yeah. um, like uh, even some suplexes I mean, the, or yeah. Something. I mean, some some. I mean, I feel like they could have done something off like the second rope to one another. But uh, excuse me, one. Just gonna say, Tony Khan's watching you cough and is judging. Oh you. Jesus Christ, that's terrifying! Yeah. Thanks, Eric, for this fucking shirt, by the way. Oh God, it's, it's worst Christmas or birthday present ever. It is bad. It's not good. Um, I mean, like uh, something off the second rope, maybe like a, a, a super shoulder tackle, second rope, something. Yeah, shoulder, yeah, something. Um, it would give me, I would give him a ten. Um, but it wasn't just a basic match. It had reasoning why they did everything, and the blood, and the finish, and the ref, the picking um, each other did, up. It, it, everybody did their good. part. It's just so damn good, man. Like, and the picking each other up part is just like. We don't fucking like each other. We're gonna keep beating the hell out of I'm each other kick to his make ass sure more. to stay down. Like I enjoy that aspect of it, even though they think they got it, they could have won it. It's really them kicking each other's ass a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So uh, hopefully, you guys watch along with us and check this episode out, um, or and seek this out on YouTube. I mean, I mean, it's twenty minute long match. Get you know, get Travis Tony Khan's eyes are terrifying. I don't like it. Coke fever dreams is all I'm seeing right now. I almost wish he'd got the picture of Tony Khan with that like crazed smile instead of the one where he looks serious like he smells shit. But the crazed smile one would have scared people off as I walked down the street. Wearing You're this. right. Travis, the aftermath. Bill Watts sold the UWF to Jim Crockett Promotions April 9th, 1987. So uh, it was actually right before this because this was in, or actually this was in February. Uh, this was in April that he sold it. Many of the UWF's top stars were either retained by Jim Crockett Promotions or immediately left for the WWF or WCCW. Unlike the other NWA-affiliated promotions Jim Crockett Promotions had bought out in the mid-'80s, the UWF did not immediately end. Jim Crockett Promotion kept its brand and, along with its three championship belts, alive in TV storylines until December 1987, when Jim Crockett Promotions NWA-affiliated wrestlers defeated all of the UWF wrestlers in a series of title versus title unification matches. It tells you, like, we're going to dominate this brand that doesn't even exist anymore. It's very much like WWE. Um, and it's probably what AEW eventually did a Ring of Honor. Eventually. Yeah. 
Only a few UWF wrestlers were well-received by Jim Crockett Promotions fan base, including the Freebirds, Shane Douglas, Rick Steiner, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, and the UWF centerpiece, Dr. Death Steve Williams. Most UWF imports were gone from Jim Crockett Promotions roster within a year. However, one wrestler would go from UWF mid-carter to a breakout star in Jim Crockett Promotions, Sting. Hell yeah, Sting. Sting becomes the franchise, man. He's still around. So um, if there is one thing UWF got right, it was Sting. And Rick, I would say Rick Steiner, too. Um, and then, of course, uh, Bill Watts would show up in 1992 as uh, the main booker for WCW, uh, which is oh. kind of ironic in the long run. It's a mixed um, bag see, there. Mixed bag. It really is. It really is. We've, ta- we've talked about it. I need to get back in my trick. I don't even know where I'm at now on uh, 92 i think i'm at clash of the champions i could be wrong i need to go back and uh, figure out where i'm at um but the ironic thing was there was another uwf that formed um and it was under herb abrams and the way that they got it is the there was no um llc officially filed for the uwf name and that's how he got it yeah and their colors were like green red and blue or something like that was the color of their uwf instead of the iconic red and gold belt their belt very much looked like a wwf winged eagle with just those letters in the middle of it with a white strap and steve williams won their belt too so it is kind of a full circle moment i guess if you want to consider that a full circle moment yeah could you imagine herb abrams on twitter in 2023 It'd have been Tony Khan a week ago. Boom. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Guys, uh, like like I was saying, oh, Jesus Christ, his eyes are staring at me. Um, Definitely check this match out. Um, I would love to add more UWF to the list. I want to do some more research and kind of find some other matches as well. And um, add some more UWF. I I really enjoyed this match. The realism of it all, uh, the bloodiness of it all, I fucking loved it. It was perfect. Oh man, it's it's what Bill Watts' his brand of wrestling was all about. I mean, even in early Mid South and stuff like the realism was what he shot for. And this match is about as realistic as it gets. I love it. So Travis, on the next week, buddy. Of course, guys, if you're new to the podcast, this is the part of the show where we get to select next week's match that we're going to cover. What we have done is we've created a list of matches that we think are pretty good are wrestling recommendations. These matches stem from 1977 all the way up to just a couple, I believe a couple of days ago. Um, Some of these matches that we just recently added, um, this includes matches from the WWF, WWF, WWE, WCW, uh, NWA, the UWF. I believe we may have a few more on there. Uh, Ring of Honor, AEW. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, along with uh, even some of the local shows that I'm involved with, NGW, there's some matches on there as well. Um, So, Travis, this week, what do you think we're going to get? In honor of my shirt I'm wearing, I'm going to say AEW. I think we're going to get, I'm going to say an NGW match, man. NGW, NGW here in a little bit as well um our new show is out on high spots right now uh travis we're at 306 matches guys so 306 of these matches so what we do guys is we put all these 
matches that we have on our list into a randomizer and we shuffle it and spin it. The Wheel of Destiny is what we call it. And whatever it lands on, that's what we cover. So, Travis, let's spin the wheel and make the deal. It is spinning. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. Oh, here, and it's stopping, Travis. Bloody, what are we getting? Bloody, bloody. Bloody, let's Ooh, go. It, is a re- it is an NXT match. Relatively oh. new, 2019. Uh-oh. What we got here? Take over New York 2019. Walter versus Pete Dunn for the uh, United Kingdom Championship. A very, very, uh, a very, very good match there. Sets the stage for Gunther, the man, and the man we now know as Gunther. Uh, And this is back before Pete Dunn was Butch. And it is these guys always had great matches with each other. Just tremendous, tremendous battles. This is right in the midst of Pete Dunn having a huge title run. And mm-hmm. the guard is about to change because uh, Walter had just shown up not too long before that. Uh, and he gets a title match. And on this TakeOver card, which at the time they were still doing kind of the TakeOver or the NXT TakeOver shows, um, the UK TakeOver shows. And they're on TakeOver New York. So uh, this is a pretty good card from what I remember. Yeah. I mean, and you got to think this time NXT was putting out, you know, Stat card after stat card after stat card, and their storylines were great, and they led to somewhere, and they meant something, and then 2.0 happened, whatever happened there. Like I feel like that was a fever dream, like no one remembers it or talks about it anymore. But um, this was when NXT was the black and gold brand. Still, like they were still putting out classic stuff. Yeah, this is like peak black and gold. Um, I feel like twenty. 20- I mean, you could even say 2016 into 2019, early 2020, um, peak black and gold brand. Um, I, I'm really excited to cover this. I'm excited to talk about the UK championship, talk about Pete Dunn, um, and talk about Walter, because if I, memory serves me correctly, we've not had a Pete Dunn match on the show, and we've not had a Gunther match on the show. So it'd be nice to talk about their careers. I don't think so. Um no, I, we didn't have Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn, did we? From back in the day? No, we have not. Okay. Well, this will be pretty damn good then. Two new people to talk about and a championship we have not talked about either. Travis, until next week, what do you got going on for me, man? Ah, nothing much, man. They're just still selling stuff up there on the eBay at TGL The Man 12. Um Nothing really going on as far as collectible shows are. We are done with those for the year, as far as I know. Um, we are tentatively scheduled to record with Brandon yesterday uh, for a podcast coming out with Rants of the Black Lodge uh, here so- shortly, maybe around uh, later on this year. I'm looking forward to that with you guys. N- nice uh, wrestling ruin uh, reunion, kind of. Um, and also shout out to the guys over there at Bleeding John, man. Not a lot on their front lately because... John Moxley got a concussion and no one's, you know, he's not around. So we don't get to see him bleed or anything. So uh, shout out to those guys. I hope they're keeping busy doing whatever they're doing. Um, I just, I feel bad for them because I feel like they had some momentum and then Moxley had to get injured. And, you know, thank, thanks Ray Phoenix. Thanks for hurting people. Actually, it was probably John Moxley did it himself, but, you know, got to blame somebody. I was really enjoying those guys' content. Um, but other than that, man, not a whole lot going on. I, we got some podcasts with the wrestling purists 
uh, waiting to see when those are we'll be able to do those with those guys. But um, I'm it's pretty uh, pretty light on my side right now, man. It's getting towards the end of the year, and my work's starting to kick up, so there's not a lot of free time for anything else. Yeah, it got cold quick, buddy. Oh yeah. Hopefully it warms back up just a tad. I would rather have a, have a little bit more fall than shoot straight to winter. There was uh, some parts of North Carolina and Tennessee that already got snow. Yeah, don't remind me. People were already calling me today. Like, oh, did you see snow on the mountain? I'm like, no, I don't try to look at that shit. Yeah, guys, uh, definitely check us out on Wrestling Recommendations on TikTok and on Facebook. Uh, watch along the matches with us every Saturday uh, pending um copyright blockage from wwe um we actually do a wa- or watch along you can watch along the entire match with us uh, on our facebook so check us out there um on twitter at wrestling reckham r-e-c-o-m-m uh guys ngw the show i'm involved with we uh, i don't know i'm pretty sure we're done for the year um we had a huge show this a couple of weeks ago um nightmare in the old city is now available on high spots tv Definitely check it out. There were some good matches. I did add a match from our uh, that show. Talked about it last week. Caleb Conley versus Warhorse for the NGW Eastern States title is now on our list. I'm excited to talk about that one day and possibly bringing Cody on, who I'm, I do the shows with, um, to have him do a live watch along with us on here. So really excited for that. Um, that's pretty much all I got, guys. Uh, the year's starting to wind down. Travis, we've been doing this for over a year now. I've, having, I've had a lot of fun. Um, we've covered a lot of great matches, a lot of un, um, kind of uncovered some gems with this match right here um, and that Chris Benoit, Shawn Michaels match that we've covered. Uh, so definitely check out all the past episodes, guys, and keep you know listening to us. We really appreciate it. Um, but until next week, I'm Eddie, and this is Travis, and we will talk to you then.